message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. Are we on? Hello? Are we on? We're on. Okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to start our day. Anybody remember our old radio broadcasts? Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to start. You, anybody remember that at all? No one's that old in here. Yeah, all right. Uh, and then a rooster crowed. Uh, good morning to all of our internet audience. We love you guys on the internet. We know you're listening all over the United States. We love you, love you, love you. We love you to Hatchapi and Vegas and Northwest. Uh, real quickly before I start today, the marriage retreat is coming. And you know what you guys are doing? You're doing what you do every year. You're not signing up. Can I tell you a little secret? We sell out every year. You will be too late if you wait. Every year we have this long waiting list. Oh, I wanted to get on with it. Why didn't you? It's a beautiful Lake Las Vegas. If you've never been to Lake Las Vegas, it's a way out of the city limits. You don't have to worry about all the sin and stuff going on. It's like you're in a different country. You feel like you're in Italy or somewhere. It is really cool, Lake Las Vegas. And so I'm telling you, if you don't sign up, you're going to be left out. I think 10 years in a row we've sold out every year. Sell out, sell out, sell out. Every year we sell out. So you better get, we got Vegas coming, we got Thousand Oaks coming, we got different churches coming, people come Hawaii, everywhere. It's just crazy. Sign up. Let's pray. Father God, anoint me as the vessel through whom you're going to give this sermon. Speak to us. Open our hearts. Let us hear you. I know you will. Thank you ahead of time for what you're going to accomplish with this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Today, I'm going to throw a lot of spiritual thoughts at you. We're going to unpack a parable and a story, but we're never going to get to the story until next week. So we'll get to the parable today. Now, God's going to be speaking all kinds of things to you. Some of you, he'll be confirming the direction you're going. Others, he's going to be convicting you of things you need to be doing. He's going to wake some of you up, and you're going to go, oh, I get it now, I get it. He's going to teach some new things. You're going to say, I've never seen that before. Now, we're going to begin with a parable. Now, listen to me closely. Parables are meant to communicate one central truth. That's the purpose of a parable. If you take every point out of a parable and try to teach it, you're going to end up with a spiritual mess on your hands. You're going to end up with spiritual chaos. Everything is going to get all crazy, and you're going to get doctrinally mixed up. Parables were not made for teaching as much as they were made to communicate one central truth. Some of you have already learned something new this morning, right? So when you read a parable, you got to read it, read it through two or three times, step back, look at it, 
and say, what is the one or two or maybe three central truths I'm supposed to see in this parable? Now, the parable we're looking at today is in Matthew chapter 25. 25 comes after 24. And it's all tied together. What is said in chapter 24 is going to be illustrated for us in the next chapter or two after chapter 24. So in chapter 24, what are we told? The apostles went to Jesus and said, what's the, the sign of your return and the end of the age? And he says, man, I'm going to give you the signs. And in Matthew 24, he gives us all the signs of the last days. And, and we're seeing those signs come to pass right now. It's amazing. You don't have... The perspective I have, I've taught prophecy for decades, and man, I'm excited because all of those things are coming together right now. We're there. We're there. And then he says in 24, he says, when you see these things come to start to come to pass, they'll be like birth pains. They'll start coming, and when I first started teaching prophecy, they were, they were coming like this. And now they're going. He says, well, they're like birth pains. He said, when you see these things come about, raise up your head. Look to the heavens, for your redemption draweth nigh. Get happy. These things had to happen. And so he says all that in chapter 24. And then after chapter 24, he goes on to give us three parables. And all three of these parables have to do with the way people are going to be living in the last days. It, it, it follows a pattern. And we see three things, or we see, I should say, don't see three things, but in all three parables that follow chapter 24 of Matthew, we see a common thread. We see some things in common. For example, the first parable he's going to tell right after telling the apostles that I'm coming back, get ready, I'm coming back to the earth, get ready. And in the first parable, it's about 10 virgins, five were wise, five were foolish, the foolish virgins end up being reprimanded and excluded from the wedding celebration. Now, in the second parable, it's much the same pattern. One guy was given five talents, one was given two, one was given one for the purpose of investing in the kingdom of heaven. The guy with five talents gained five more, and the master, when he came back, he said, man, good job. You did what I wanted you to do. Come on in. You're faithful. Get what I have for you. The guy who had only two talents, he only gained two, but he had two, and he gained two more. And he got the equal, same blessing as the guy with five. See, God doesn't expect the person with two talents to produce what the person with five talents is going to produce. If you got five, you reproduce five. If you got two, reproduce two. If you get one, just reproduce one. And they all got the same. Both guys, the five and two, got the same commendation, got the same greeting, got the same reward. But the guy who was given one talent, he went out and hid it away and said, I'm not even going to do anything because I know you're a hard master, a hard one to serve, so I'm not even going to try. And it says that the guy with the one talent was cast out in to outer darkness. You see the common, common theme here? Five virgins got cast out, five were accepted. The guy with the five and two talents were accepted. The guy with the one who did nothing wasn't accepted. He was cast out. The third parable is about the judgment of nations, about the sheep and the goats. 
It says the sheep were busy. Right before the Lord comes back, the sheep are busy. What are they doing? They're feeding the hungry. They're giving water to those that are thirsty. They're clothing the naked. They're writing letters to the guys in prison. They're visiting people in the hospital. That, that's right in common with Isaiah 58, the very chapter God said we were to put the foundation of this church on. We're going out finding the orphans. We're finding the orphans in Africa. We've got about 400 now or several hundred. And when you give, you're part of that, right? If you put money in the offering plate today, you're part of that given to the orphans. And it says in Isaiah 58 that if we will do these things, take care of the widows, take care of the needy. When you combine Isaiah 58 with what's said in here in this parable in Matthew, it just basically means we're meeting the needs of other people, whether it be spiritual or physical. That's what we're, we're in the need meeting business. Do you get that? That's what we're in. And Jesus told these people who were meeting needs of others, he says, as you do it to these people, it's the same thing as doing it to me. So again, almost every week, I buy Jesus a taco, I buy him a burrito, I give him a water. Every week, I pray for Jesus. That sounds weird. Every week, I encourage Jesus. Every week, I counsel Jesus. And so, in that period, there's nothing huge. Again, God doesn't ask us to do anything real huge. He doesn't ask us all to go to Africa and serve the pygmies. He doesn't do that. I've always told you his, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. What does it take to write a letter to a prisoner? Uh, what does it make, take to make a hospital call, to see a need, to pray for someone at work, pay it forward? Now, in this third parable... The sheep were all doing that. But the goats, they lived oblivious to the needs all around them. And likewise, the goats were cast out. So in all three parables, you have a group that's accepted and you got a group that's cast out. A group that does God's will, a group that doesn't care about doing God's will and they're cast out. Now, you see this common thread in these three parables. Now, let me stop and state a very important truth here, something that needs to be said before we go further. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. Now, that's important for us to know. You can't get saved by your works. You can't go to God one day and say, God, I want to... I wanna, come into your kingdom and I want to live forever. Because God, I shared my faith with five people last week. I bought two people lunch. I prayed for one hour and I did all this stuff. So now will you receive me? And God would probably say to that person, he'd say, you know what? It's not about what you do, but it's about who you are. There's a difference. Have you become a member of my family? You spend time with me. Do you talk to me? Do you listen to my voice? Do you bring your frustrations to me? Do you bring your problems to me? Have you received the indwelling Holy Spirit? Are you letting him change your life? Now, that's an active lifestyle and not a passive one. And works will be a result of that lifestyle. The works don't save you. 
but a saved person definitely has works or they're not really saved. See, the Holy Spirit will inspire us to good works. You can't commune with God and have no actions come out of that. Does this all make sense to you? If you're not doing good works, then obviously you're not saved. Because the Holy Spirit in you is going to influence good works. Now stay with me. God, I come before you today. Here's my problems, God. My marriage is bad. My kids aren't doing right. God, I'm, I'm giving you my problems. The Bible says to cast my anxieties on you. I'm to be anxious for nothing, but everything I'm anxious about, I'm supposed to cast on you. So God, help me. Give me wisdom. And he says, apologize. What? Apologize. You've been treating your wife like crapola. Apologize. Uh, God, I want to hear your voice today. God, I'm, I'm going to go out of that world, and I want to hear your voice because you live inside of me. And like me the other day, I, again, I went to a convenience store, came out. A guy was sitting on the curb, dirty, filthy, and I walked past him as I usually do. I look back. I went to my car. I got it, God. I went and said, you want water and maybe a sandwich or a donut? Yeah, I love it. All right. See, that's the way it works. It's nothing real difficult at all. It's something we can all do. Now, with this in mind, we're going somewhere. Matthew 25, let's read verse 1 through 13, this parable. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom! He's coming! Come out to meet him! Get ready! Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. All they had was the oil and the wick. That's all they had. But the prudent answered, No, no, no. There will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going, I don't know where they were going. It's midnight. Is Walmart? Oh, I guess Walmart. They had Walmarts back then, I imagine. <laughs> Walmart's open 24. That, that's the one I know. Now, they have some time. Say with me, they have some time. Because I want to come back to this next week. They have some time. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. And later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. He answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I do not know you. You never spent time with me. We never shared visions. We never shared communication. You never gave me your problems. You never let me help you. We don't know each other. Now, I know a lot of good pastors good pastors, 
And they all teach this parable differently. It's pretty confusing. I'm going to just paraphrase it and tell you what we do know. Some teachers and good ones that I know of say this is about the Jews, not the Gentiles. It's in the millennium. It has nothing to do with now. Others say it's right for the rapture. No, no, no. It's not for the rapture. It's for the second coming. They all have their opinions. I had one lady teaching this week, and she was wrong. She was teaching to thousands of people. She was using the King James Version, which she should not have used. And she's trying to say that five of them, they just got a little drowsy, and the other five, they really fell asleep, and that was a difference. That's not in the text. That's foolish. That's dumb. Just, just take the text for what? Let the Bible interpret the Bible, okay? Now, here's what we know about the parable. Here's what we know. Number one, all ten virgins were invited to the wedding. All ten virgins had lamps with them. All ten virgins were anxious to see the bridegroom. All ten virgins fell asleep. All ten virgins woke up when they heard the bridegroom was coming. Up until that point, you can see no difference between the ten virgins. They all look the same. You can't tell who's right or who's wrong. They all look the same. Say with me, they all look the same. The only difference we see is that five of them had dry lamps and five of them had lamps filled with oil. Ho-ho, do I need to say more? Are you getting it here? One group had lamps with no oil. The other group had lamps with oil. Now, oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. When David was anointed with oil, it says in that same scripture passage that the Holy Spirit overpowered him when he's anointed with oil. In the Old Testament, they used oil to anoint people and set them aside for service. The oil set them aside. The oil set them into sanctification, the Holy Spirit. In, in Psalms 133, I was going to read it, but I'm not. The anointing oil brings unity of spirit. What brings unity of the spirit? The Holy Spirit. He brings unity in the body of Christ. Now, there's almost 200 references of oil in the Bible, and most all of them refer to the Holy Spirit in some way, the Holy Spirit. When we were little, we sang a song. Do you remember? Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Remember that? Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. You know what? Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. And we went, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, and went on. And that's in reference to this story. You got to learn. You, how, many know, never, how many know that song? Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. That's the idea right here. Now, here is one way of many to see this parable. I want to use this application to take you where I want you to go. These five foolish virgins represent people who come to church every Sunday who have never been born again. They don't have the Holy Spirit in their bodies. Even Paul said, test yourself to see if you're in the Spirit. If you don't see the Holy Spirit in some way, then you're probably not in the Spirit. Do it again. Do it over. 
When we get born again, we ask the Holy Spirit to, we invite him to come and live in our body and we receive him. Then we start getting to know him. And the fact that you're here at church today probably proves the Holy Spirit's in you because he's the one who convicted you to come. You didn't come on your own to listen to this half oaky, half Italian guy up here walk around and shout. You came here because the Holy Spirit drew you. How else do you know you're saved? When you sin, you feel horrible about it. That's beyond you. That's the Holy Spirit in you convicting you. How do you know the Holy Spirit's in you? When you hear praise music, sometimes you go, whoa, I want to hear that again and again. The Holy Spirit's saying, amen, amen, I like that music. Well, there's a lot of people that come here that don't have the Holy Spirit. They come to church two times a month or one time a month when there's nothing else to do. See, they're not convicted like you and I. I couldn't sit at home on Sunday, say, I'm gonna watch football today. I'd be convicted. Need to go to church and then watch football. Now, you know, some people come and they'll sing our songs. They'll listen to the sermon. They'll laugh when it's appropriate to laugh. Occasionally, they might tip God a buck or two. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like a tip in a restaurant, you know. When God says, it's really all mine, you know. But they never received the Holy Spirit. They'd never been born again. They don't see the evidence in their life at all. Now, without going into the rest of the details of the story, let me say this. Uh, there are four things I want to point out about the story that we know to be true. The first one is, we must all make uh, sure that we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. This takes me back to last Sunday's sermon. Go back to last week's message. He can't be Savior if he's not Lord. Lord means master owner, the boss. You can't have him as Savior, not Lord. Now, last week I asked you a question. Let's see if you listened well. What does a Savior do? What does he do? He goes around saving people. That's why he's called Savior. Here comes the Savior. Why? He goes around saving people. For example, it's redundant. I know that, but I've Got to share it again. It fits too well. Me, when I was diagnosed with leukemia back lots of decades ago, two or three, I was given four years to live, and what did I do? I cried out, Jesus, save me! My son's a senior in high school. I've got a lot of work to do. I'm just now in my prime. Jesus, save me, save me. And he told me. Now, this is not for everybody, just for me. He said, throw away your chemotherapy. Whoa, that's not traditional. Throw it away. Don't do a bone marrow transplant. Wait on me and don't think, take things into your own hands. You, listen to me, Ron, listen to me. I did all three. Why did I do all three? Because he's master owner. He said, don't do those three things. And I knew, and I know, that I belong to him. It's important to him about what I'm doing up here today. He wants me to continue to do this. He hasn't told me to retire yet. He hasn't told me. 
So I know I belong to him. I'm his responsibility. And so he said, here's what I want you to do. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I did everything he told me to do. Now, had I not listened to my master owner, my Lord, and only did what the doctors told me to do, and my doctors are good guys, where would I be at today? Dead. Dead. Can I say that again? If I'd only listened to my good friends, my doctors are my friends, if I'd only done what they told me to do and not what the master owner, Lord, told me to do, I would be dead today. Why? He's the Savior, but he can't save me if he's not Lord. Oh, I hope you get this. Another example, but with an opposite outcome. Two or three decades ago, I was invited to go somewhere to a beautiful place out of state. I was invited to go stay there a week or two. The Holy Spirit told me, don't go. I said, but it's, 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 it'll be good for me. Don't go. He told me through other people, don't go. I said, but God, I can do your will by, don't go. I went. And I almost lost everything I have because of that. Jesus almost couldn't save me because I didn't listen to him when he told me not to go. If he's not your Lord, he can't save you eternally or he can't save you now in temporary situations. He's our savior, he doesn't just save us eternally, he saves us all the time from a lot of different things. That's what he does, he's savior. David is Ziklag. He uh, conquered the Amalekites. And God, I'm, 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 I'm implying that God told him because that's the only way he would have done this. He got all these spoils. He had all this figure up, a barn full of, or two or three barns full of all kinds of riches. And God told him, said, take some of those riches and go share them with all the villages in Israel. Give them all some of the riches. And because the Lord was David's master owner, David did what he told him to do. And because of that, their hearts were endeared to David and he became king of Israel. Had he not done what God told him to do, he would never have become king of Israel. He had to do what God told him to do. Had he killed Saul when Saul chased him day after day after day, he would have never became king of Israel, but God said, don't you touch my anointed. He's master owner, he's Lord. I do what he says. Some of you here today, maybe you're alcoholics, you're you're porn users, you're party animals. And God's telling you, repent, repent, get healed, get counseling. Come to the altar every time you're at church. You have to repent of these sins. But you're not listening. You're not obeying. You're not seeing him as Lord. You say, well, someday. I know, I need to, as a result, even though God wants to save your marriage, he cannot. And you might lose that marriage because you're not listening. Even though God wants to protect your children, he cannot because you're not listening to him. You're not repenting. You're not kicking the guy out that didn't put a ring on your finger. You're still living with him. God said, get out, get married or get, get right or get out. Get, get. You know what I mean. 
Uh-oh, I lays up looking at her. I'm not looking at you, sister. Yeah, I was looking at you. I don't know why I was looking at you. I don't know why. That's, it, that, that's not you, is it? I'm not describing. I am. I'm staring right at you. Be free, sis. Be free. <laughs> I do have some eyes. I'll just stare at one person while I'm talking. That's the Holy Spirit, not me. She cries out to me, you're looking right at me. <laughs> and that even, isn't even in my notes. Uh, he can't save you from financial ruin because he's not Lord. He can't save your health because he's not Lord. You're into pornography and you're not getting right. He can't give you a, a wife and save you from singleness because he's not Lord. You think he wants to bring a woman into your life and mess her up like you're messed up? Bless your heart. I'm looking over to some guy over there now. I got to watch. Uh, I got to watch where my eyes go. Uh, I told somebody today, I saw him today, he said, you know what? Years ago, you looked over, and said, be pregnant. And you went, Phew. and we were pregnant the next week. Here's our baby. I don't think I have that much power, do I? I'm God's servant. Whatever he wants to do, that's fine with me. Did, did, did you get what I'm saying? Did you get it? I had a man that sat right down here. He sat here week after week. I love this guy. And he was an alcoholic. He heard me preach conviction so many times about alcoholism. He didn't listen, didn't listen, didn't listen. Came up one day, he said, Pastor, I went to the doctor three years ago. He's give up alcohol, you're gonna die. And I did for a short while, went back. I went again a year and a half ago, give it up, give it up, give it up. And I did for a while, but I didn't take it seriously. I went back last week, Pastor. I said, I know what you're gonna say, Doc. Give up the alcohol, right? He said, no, I'm not gonna say that. Continue to drink. You've ruined your liver. And you're gonna die in a couple months. It's done. It's done. Say with me, Jesus is Lord. He's master owner. We obey, you don't have to keep repeating me. I'm going back into my servant now. Uh, don't we have fun when we come here? We have fun, but we learn the truth. Uh, look at Proverbs 1, 20 through 31. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the heads of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O oh naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools, they hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Repent. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I'll make my words known to you. Because I called you and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel, did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. Now, the word laugh there in the Hebrew means sigh. When you come to me, say, help me, help me, Lord, help me, help me, he'll go, I've been talking to you through Pastor Ron. I was talking through you, Pastor Gennaro, Wednesday night. I'm talking through you through Nikki. You're not listening. So now when your dread comes, nothing I can do about it. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they'll call on me. 
but I will not answer because I've been talking to them all along. They'll seek me, excuse me, they'll seek me diligently. They won't find me. Because they hated knowledge. They did not choose to fear the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned my reproof. So now, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. Next, secondly, we need to all make sure and realize and acknowledge the wake-up calls that God's given us all the time, especially when we come to church. We all have a tendency to fall into spiritual apathy. All 10 virgins went to sleep. We all have a tendency to get spiritually drowsy. We get lazy with prayer. We get lazy with evangelizing the lost. We get lazy with church attendance, lazy reading our Bible. Rama, Rama, listen. Listen closely. Who am I pointing out right now? You haven't opened your... <laughs> no, not you anymore. No, I, I'm through over here. I'm through over here. Uh, who am I talking to? You haven't opened your Bible up in three weeks. You have not studied one day in three weeks. Who am I talking to? That's what I like about church. You come here to, to, to get woke up. There's wake-up calls going. God once told me, he said, you're going to have a big church because the ramas of the Lord are going to be coming forth. And people are going to want to hear the ramas of the Lord. Some of you have stopped doing devotions. You, you know who you are. But because you love the Lord, I'll bet you you're in them tomorrow morning. Now say, I'm looking over here again. I'm sorry, man. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Now listen, listen closely. Wake-up calls. Wake-up calls. You stop sharing your faith. You stop praying for your lost loved ones. You've went to sleep. Behold, the Lord's coming. Behold, the Lord's coming. You don't have long to get your loved ones saved. Let's get back to prayer. Let's get back to devotions. Let's get back to the Word. Have faith in God. Hey, dude, have faith in God. Sister, have faith in God. Remember what God told you? Did he say he was going to heal you? If he said it, he's going to heal you. Have faith in God. Don't forget, you're sleeping. Did God tell you he's going to save your kids? Then you better start acting like he's going to save your kids. What did God tell you, huh? Reactivate that promise. And then thirdly, teach to your kids that you can't ride on the coattails of your parents for salvation. The five virgins without oil said, give me some of your oil. It's not mine to give. Give me some of your salvation. I think we have children sometimes that think because mom and dad are real close to God that I'm automatically close to God. No, you can't ride on anybody else's coattails and get into heaven. 
And we must teach our kids that. We must spend time with our kids training them. And the last thing I want to say to you is keep in mind that judgment day is close at hand. As Christians, we'll never be judged for our sins. Our sins are gone, praise God. Jesus paid for all of our sins at the cross of Calvary. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's me, that's you, yes, I'm never gonna be judged for my sins because Jesus went to the cross and died for them. And you can't die twice. He already died for my sins, so you can't die twice. By the same token, the Bible plainly teaches there'll be a beam of judgment seat for believers. That's where you give a speech for how you lived your life while on earth. That's where you come with your talents and say, here's five more, here's two more. And in that judgment, it says no one will be condemned. You'll either get rewards or you won't get any rewards. That's, that's the basis of that judgment. I begin to wind this up with a story by Max Lucado about a man who conned his way into the orchestra of the emperor of China despite the fact that he could not even play a musical instrument. Whenever the group practiced or performed, this man would hold his flute against his lips, pretending to play, but he didn't make a sound. For that, he received a modest salary and enjoyed a comfortable lifestyle. But then one day, the emperor requested a solo from each musician. Because he couldn't play the flute, he had been pretending the whole time. There wasn't time to go learn the flute. So he pretended to be sick, but the emperor, emperor was not fooled. He didn't buy it. On the day of his solo, because he knew he'd been found out, the performer, the imposter, took poison and killed himself. And from that story came the expression that's found its way to this country, and that is, he refused to face the music. Gang, someday, we're going to have to face the music. We're going to have to give a solo. Get ready. Get ready. The Lord's coming back. The Bible says in closing that uh, if you look at the Greek words and the picture that the Greek words present, represent, on that day at the beam of judgment, we will stand before the Lord and give a speech. He'll say, how did you live your life on this earth? How did you live it? Hopefully, you can say, Lord, I wasn't given a lot of talents, but you know what? I led a small group and I led it faithfully for 20 years. And the Lord will say, good job, faithful servant. Well done. Lord, I didn't do a lot, but I attended VBF. I prayed for the pastors every week. When the offering plate came, I put my money in. Good job. Good job, faithful servant. You've done well. It can be the littlest thing that you're faithful to. And I'm going I'm to carry this over into next week. I got an, another story I'm going to tell you. Behold, the Lord's coming. He's on his way. The rapture is at hand. I'm crying out. I'm telling you. 
The signs are too crazy right now and they're happening so fast. It's time. Time to get right. Time to listen to our master owner, the Lord, and obey him. I was going to do two things, but I'm only going to do one. I want the band to come out and I want to end in a worship song. While they're coming, John, let's do something fun while they're coming. Let's do it. That song, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Teach that to us. You got it? You ready for this? God, let's let's stand up and sing a song. This. Come on. Then we're going to end like in a worship song. Like we're a uh, Sunday school. Stand, just have fun with this. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Come on. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break. Okay, they got it. They got it. They can do it now. You got it? All singles and a singles and a singles and a to the king of kings. Singles and a singles and a singles and a to the king. Okay, John. That was the practice round. That was a practice round. They've got it. Let's go one time through again, one time through again. Then we're going to end with a real cool worship song. But one time through, and then you can take them to the worship song. Y'all ready? You know it now. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Come on, sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King. Yeah! Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.